Welcome to Courage and Spice. This is the podcast for humans with self-doubt. I'll share evidence-based resources and teach you proven coaching tools to help you transcend your self-doubt. I'm Sass Petherick, a master coach and founder of the Self-Belief Coaching Academy. I'm so glad you're here. Let's do this. Hey everyone, long time no speaky. I had the summer off a couple of months to try and change my relationship with rest. In the last episode, I talked about my tendency to overfunction. That's really where I tend to feel safe. And that after working and really overworking over the last 18 months of the pandemic, I just really wanted to play with what happens when I intentionally interrupt that, when I try to do things quite differently. So how's it gone? All right. (laughs) Different to how I expected. Some days pretty shite. Other days really embraced rest with no guilt and no qualms. You know, I've spent entire mornings swimming at the marine lake with my friend Helen and my friend Philippa, who is a fellow Kiwi, and I haven't let a week go by in summer without meeting for coffee or brunch. We also went to a very eccentric British evening picnic, complete with a local choir in a residential park. I've read so many books, like dozens. I've watched a lot of telly. Oh my goodness, Nine Perfect Strangers. Is everybody watching that? The White Lotus was just pitch perfect. Ted Lasso, Mayor of Easttown, of course. I'm all catched up on my shows. I've discovered a heap of new podcasts. Honestly, I'll stick all of these in a list in the show notes because I know I always like to get other people's recommendations of, of things. And on top of all of this kind of soaking up the goodness, Ash and I went camping twice. I mean, hello, this is quite big, like in terms of being open to change. Outdoor adventures, I thought, were for other people. I'm a fan of the great indoors until now. And having said all of that, I know I haven't rested in the way that I thought I would. Like the urge to work, or at least to not rest until the work is done, and you find it's never done, that runs pretty deep. And I've been really compassionate with myself, which I highly recommend for anyone trying anything new. Just remembering that I have been doing this over-functioning thing for the best part of over 40 years. So of course it's going to take much longer than a few weeks to unwind. Nothing ever goes in a straight line. So there's been kind of setbacks and challenges and missteps and I've totally underestimated how long some things would take and overestimated the ease to make some changes. You know, our brains just take a while to calm down and stop protesting when we're doing things that are different and new. Sometimes our brains, I think, just reinterpret new as threat. So overall, I'm giving myself a B, maybe a B plus, but I was sitting down to write some notes for this episode and I was thinking that everything at the moment in my world feels a bit like school closed up for summer and you went off to play and I've been back here in overalls kind of painting and rearranging things. A few walls got knocked down, we found some woodworm, we've got some new staff in and now we're kind of getting ready to open the doors back up and welcome everybody back in. So if you love a bit of sort of behind the scenes of other people's businesses 
or you're also trying to maybe make some changes in your own life or have a bit of a fresh start if that's ever possible in some area of your life then this episode is really a bit of an inside track. I wanted to share with you the ways that I've been able to make some really positive changes to how I'm showing up to work and to rest and to give you sort of three kind of things that you could just try straight away. I really like practical, applicable top tips. So hopefully this will also give you a bit of an insight into where we're at over here and also um, how you can start to apply some of the things that we've been experimenting with to make some changes for yourself. So a couple of episodes ago, I talked about the concept of deep work, of having whole days marked out for specific kinds of work. So like I have a day that is my coaching and teaching day and I run three Self-Belief Coaching Academy classes on a Tuesday and there are days when I record podcasts and admin days, right? So I've got into quite a good rhythm with this now And I've actually found that my extroverted self wanted more outside of the home office time as well. So on Mondays, I've designated that as my admin day. And I've been meeting up with some Bristol co-worker buddies, Pippa Parfait and Lucy Parfait from Disobedient Business. And we go to a cafe, we have a few that we choose from and we chat and we work. And I've just been saving up my admin and those little bits of things to do on Monday, stuff that doesn't need a ton of concentration that you can sort of have a broken conversation while you're getting things done. And I'm finding that that is a cracking way for me to start the week. It gets me out of the house. I love the in-person connection. And so I really just highly recommend that if like me, you need to see the humans and we haven't really had a whole lot of that over the last few years. So if you can get out of your home office, whatever that looks like, away from your kitchen table, even if it's just for an hour or two, I've found that that just peps me up. It means I kind of get a bit more dressed up and I put some makeup on and I just feel good. The other thing I've been doing is really looking at how can I reduce the amount of busy work that I'm doing. So actual work that requires me to be at my desk. So Monday is my admin day, I've got my teaching and coaching day on a Tuesday and I'm leaving Thursdays for podcasts and other writing projects, recording projects and I'm trying to take Wednesdays and Fridays off. So going to a three day week is a very new idea for me and I'm a little bit antsy about it but what I'm finding is that it is the best question to ask myself, how can I do this? What's the solution to this problem? And I think that because it's such a different question to what I've asked myself previously, I'm generating much more creative options and responses for myself. So I highly recommend this, particularly if you run your own business or if you just have a bit of a crunchy relationship with time and you want to change that to make it work for you in a more efficient way is that you start with what you actually want things to look like and work backwards. Reverse engineer the challenge or the the problem. And there are three questions that I've been asking myself in trying to figure out how to reverse engineer this. What can only I do? And that's helping me to see where can we outsource some work? What can we automate? So are there processes and systems and ways of doing things that we keep reinventing? And the third thing is what can we do now to future-proof 
the, the business. And so that's helping us with some more longer term projects that we've already started work on. So the first question of what can only I do, it's really helped me get very, very clear as the, the, the team starts to grow and as we sort of just make the business into much more of a company rather than it just being me doing everything. I'm getting really clear on what my key role is, which is really as the kind of thinker of the things and the ideas, setting the vision and kind of head coach. That's sort of what my role is. So what I don't want to be spending time doing is trying to figure out social media algorithms and how to get really good at video on Instagram, right? But I do know that that would be really helpful for the business. So I'm looking at how can I hire a new person? And we're in the process of doing that now of hiring a social media and content manager, someone who can take my ideas and my words and help them be more engaging and compelling and perhaps less wordy because I suspect my approach doesn't always land with the brevity of social media. So someone to really take over our sort of strategy for sharing our ideas and thinking and the frameworks and models that I've developed over the years. This is really important for helping us to build sustainability, right? It it allows us to reach a wider audience than folks that have either worked with me in the past or already know about me. So it's serving a really important purpose for our plans to grow. So just asking yourself that question, what can only I do in my business or in my life, in my work environment? What can I either delegate, which is an amazing way of succession planning for someone who is working in a team, right? You start to actually allow someone who is less experienced than you to be mentored by you and to take on new projects and new work. But it also means that it frees you up from feeling like you're overwhelmed and overburdened with all the things. So really getting clear on that can help to reverse engineer what do I actually want and work backwards in a really practical way. So the other question I've been really asking is what can we automate? And really this is about a a sort of bigger question of how is the back end of the business organized? And Shauna Reid, who is my right-hand woman, my online business manager, and I have sort of gone pro over the summer. And we've spent this last couple of months just really documenting all of our processes, like how we do things, what needs doing, when it needs doing. And now we have ways of keeping track of like all our students and clients. We've got directories for testimonials and feedback. So helpful. And we've basically embraced Asana, so much so that we may get t-shirts that say, yeah, but is it in Asana? So if you love this kind of thing of getting organized, I think having some sort of system that helps you to get these key business processes of just, you know, what's your enrollment process for new clients? Or if you're sending out products, how do you do that? Who's your favorite courier? All of this kind of thing. Putting it into some sort of documented process means that if you do bring on a new person, all of that information is in one place. And I have to say, massive high five to my coach, Ellie Swift, and her OBM, Navek, who really helped us make this move into Asana. We're just using the free software. All we did was go through and document what do we do in the business? And it's everything from, you know, what are our kind of company details? How do we pay invoices? 
What does a launch look like? How do we collect and store testimonials? How do we collect and store contact details of the coaches and students and clients that work with us? All of that jazz. So whatever that looks like for you, and if you are an employee, then that's going to be slightly different, right? But you could go through each of your job tasks and look at how can I do this simpler? How can I do this in a way that is just better organized? And just taking some time to answer those questions. What can be automated? What can be documented? What can be better organized? It just really helps you feel that sense of ownership and clarity, which is amazing. And the third question we've been asking is how do we future proof, right? Because we have this very clear goal about growing, we are really planning on setting up the whole business so that we can scale, so that we can grow and it's not going to break us basically. So over the summer we've gone through a major overhaul of the branding for the first time in about four years. We now have a fancy new website, a whole new look and feel, business name and the most exciting thing from my perspective is the investment in the development of a bespoke learning platform. So if you teach courses online or if you've ever done an e-course or any kind of group program, you're probably familiar with things like Teachable and Thinkific and Mighty Networks and things like that. And I've tried a few of these over the last sort of 10 years, but they never quite hit the mark for me. I always found there was something a bit lacking. They weren't particularly intuitive. Discussion forums were always a bit rubbish or not quite embedded. So you were forced to use Facebook, which never really felt like a safe container for me. So I've kind of, you know, cobbled things together over the years. But I really had this dream that if I was going to do the coaching academy and self-belief school, if I was going to do that properly, I really wanted to invest in building my own. So we've done it and we've been working with Flourish Online who are a design and development company based in Brizzy in Australia and Alyssa who runs Flourish just totally got what we're trying to do. She and her team have specialist knowledge in building online learning sites. I had one or two meetings with Alyssa, just Zoom meetings, and she just came up with the most beautiful, unique branding. The site is so functional and incredible. I just love everything they've done. And it feels like a massive evolution, right? I've had website shame for about two years. Not really about the website itself because it's beautiful and it's absolutely what I needed when it was developed about five years ago. But the photos of me were taken before my heart failed and I had a near-death experience. It honestly feels like I'm looking at a completely different person. So there's always been this sense of disconnect and misalignment. And really, my work over the last couple of years has been about me owning that this is bigger than me. So for years, I thought it had to be all about me. (laughs) And now I'm like, no, let's have a collective that support folks. That's where it's at. So if you are interested, you will now find us at selfbelief.school. So I've spent the summer really enmeshed with this project, even though the team in Australia, Alyssa and Courtney and Kim and others, they aren't Kardashians, by the way. (laughs) 
They pulled everything together. They've done an amazing job. But there's been a lot of like behind the scenes work just to create all the bits and bobs that make this hang together. So all of this is really helpful to think about how are we future proofing things. And I wanted to kind of leave you today with some things that I've really been practicing around all of this. After my summer of not quite resting, I've really sort of figured out some things about the way I work and the best way that I can get my dreams to come true. And they're really small things. So I've got three top tips for you. One is to embrace 1% upgrades. 1% upgrades, I think they're the gateway drug to making massive dreams come true. So a 1% change, a 1% upgrade is just taking the smallest, most doable step forward. The thing you can do today. It can be applicable to anything. So for years, I had a really regular morning journaling practice and it was amazing to start the day just feeling really intentional and then it kind of got out of whack because Bodhi decided he had to go number twos at 7am regardless. So here's my 1% upgrade. I put a journal beside my bed in the morning. And then the next upgrade was, okay, I'm going to write down three things that I really want to think about today or three feelings that I want to experience today or something that I want to think on purpose. Next upgrade, right? It's just 1%. Just do that for a couple of weeks. And now I'm actually waking up about 15 to 20 minutes earlier to write. So I've got back to my journaling practice by slowly getting up a little bit earlier and just getting into that habit. Something else I've been doing is just drinking more water, right? I know this sounds really dumb, maybe, but it just started by buying a nice water bottle and filling it after breakfast. That was my 1% upgrade. Now I'm filling it twice in the morning, twice in the afternoon. I'm drinking two litres of water. My skin's amazing. So James Clear talks about this in Atomic Habits, which is something that I just think is so great. But a 1% upgrade, just what is the smallest, tiniest, most doable step you can do to start something? That's number one. Second thing, how can I help myself now? So this is especially for anyone who has a tendency to kind of bystand, right? Where you wait on the sidelines for the conditions to be right, for the right day, for a big enough space in your diary to do that thing, for the house to be clean and tidy. Like all the rubbish that we tell ourselves needs to be in place before we can do the thing. So just do it now. What I found is that how can I help myself now is a great question to ask when you've got between 2 and 20 minutes to be playing with. So it's things like, how can I help myself now? I could take the washing downstairs to the laundry. This is a two-minute job that I can happily procrastinate on all day. But if I help myself now, it's going to take that guilt away, that sense of, oh, God, I've got to do that after work, all of that. And my business has been questions like, can I respond to this message right now? Can I just take 20 minutes on this task, even though the whole thing might take two weeks in total to complete? It's a great question to ask yourself because it basically accesses the creative aspect of your brain, right? Rather than worrying about the risks and what might go wrong, like how can I help myself right now? It's a great, great question to ask. And you can try this by just picking some project that matters to you, anything that you've been putting off, and just decide you're going to spend 20 minutes of discretionary time on it. Even if you don't feel ready, even if the you know decks aren't clear, you're going to be able to think of a million reasons not to do that, but that's not the point, 
right? You always can spend this 20 minutes either scrolling or doing the thing, right? And so if you let the reasons not to do it determine your actions, you never get round to the things that you actually want to be doing or need to be doing, right? It's a great way to just fill in those little gaps just to be a bit more on it, right? Don't let yourself fall down the hole of the internet before you've had a chance to really look at how intentionally do I want to spend this time? What I found is that by doing this, you clear space in your brain. You get the reward of feeling relief or pride at completing the task. And it can soothe anxiety, like soothe that, that sense of overwhelm. It's like, oh no, I did that thing today. The third tactic I've been using, the third thing I've been noticing myself doing, is hanging out with my future self. Me in three years. What will she be so grateful I did this week? Sometimes it's me in three months. Like I know that November me is going to be so stoked that we've got all the course materials for SBCA rebranded and upgraded. November me is going to be so thrilled that I can spend time with new team members and being able to onboard them pretty seamlessly because all our policies and backend procedures are kind of 80 to 90% done. So really think about that. Like what does your future self want you to be doing right now? What will she be super proud of and thankful of? What I love about all of these approaches, the 1% upgrades, how can I help myself now, doing things to make my future self happy, it's like all of these approaches are the least likely to activate self-doubt because they are small and doable and because they are inviting the more creative aspect of your brain to respond. So resistance is low when psychological risk is low. So I just really invite you to play with these tactics, play with these ideas. I hope they help you to get some momentum in your work and in your life as we sort of head back into the new school term. I really would love you to go check out our fancy new website at selfbelief.school and in the show notes you're going to find all the podcasts and books that made my brain light up over the summer. It's so nice to be back in your ear holes. Take care everyone. Hey, if you're listening and you're fed up with the ways that self-doubt holds you back, I want you to check out Self-Belief Coach Match. You can work with an experienced practitioner I've personally trained. I believe with everything I have that you deserve to find out what's possible for you on the other side of self-doubt. Like how much more peaceful would your life be if you had someone in your corner who was helping you make sense of the very good reasons why you have self-doubt? What would it mean to make choices from a place of wanting to give something a go rather than worrying if you're capable, experienced, qualified or thin enough? How amazing would it be to just embrace some of the confidence of Brad from Accounts? And look, if you have toothache, you don't judge yourself for not being able to fix it, do you? Of course not. You're like, my face hurts and that's all I can think about. You sure don't take that dentist money and go buy face cream and a pair of jeans and think this will work. So why do that with self-doubt? Work with an experienced, trained, skilled professional. It's time to make sense of your self-doubt and go after your dreams. Just have a little look at selfbelief.school backslash match.